I'm going I'm to say this and I'm going to see how many you can get there. Let's turn to the only place in the Bible where you find the word Calvary. The only place in the Bible is found one time and it's found in this chapter of this book. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23 this morning. Let us stand. We'll read a couple of verses and I'm going to give some things about it. Verse number 33 in chapter 23 of Luke. It said, when they would come to the place which called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on right hand and one on the other left. Then Jesus, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiments and cast lots. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you this morning, Lord, we just help you. Uh, ask us to touch our hearts and lift us up and encourage us. Lord, let us be what you would want us to be. Help us to serve our uh, lives for you, Lord, and we just praise you for what you do. Empty yourself and fill me with thy spirit. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, we've, we start, like I said, Sunday nights we started that series with help from the hills. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence my help cometh. My help cometh from the Lord which had made heaven and earth. Uh, We've looked at many hills of the Bible. We looked at last week. We look at the hill of celebration at the birth, the conception of Jesus Christ with Mary and her cousin were getting together. But today I want to look at this hill of Calvary, help from the hill of Calvary. Now I realize and recognize that the Bible does not necessarily say that this place is a hill. Golgotha, the place of the skull, Calvary. I realize the Bible does not say anything about being a mountain, Mount Calvary. Uh, we, we sing in the songs like we sang before. But the fact is that when you look at history and study the place outside the gates of Jerusalem, there is no doubt that that place where Jesus was crucified was on a hill. You can actually pull pictures of it today. Uh, it's on the top of this uh, rocky hillside, and it bears images of that hollowed-out skull. You look at these pictures even today, and you see the place where our Savior suffered, bled, and died, and has the look of that skull today. As far as the Christian is concerned, there's no greater hill in the Bible than that of the hill of Calvary. With that word being said, it should stir something up inside the Christian soul today. In the heart of a child of God. When that word Calvary said, it ought to make your heart skip a beat. It ought to fill your mind with joy and peace, knowing that the Son of God carried your sins and your, carried your cross to the top of that lonely hill, suffered for six hours on that hill, and said, it is finished. And there he died. Not just for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. The Bible said that he was held, it was a ransom from all men. The Bible said that he, that he by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. I realize that Calvary doesn't mean much to the world today. I realize Calvary doesn't mean much to the sinners today. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter 18, uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 18, for the preaching of the cross to them that are perish is foolishness. 
You remember when you heard preaching before you got saved. You remember when somebody spoke to you about Christ. Remember when somebody handed you a track and you, and you seen people go to church and don't understand it. You thought it to them that it would be foolish for somebody to be like that. Somebody to give up all that and go to church on Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesday. You thought to yourself that was foolish. And that's just the first part of verse eight, chapter verse 18. The second half of that verse, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. Amen. Brother, we have found out where the power is at. It was in the preaching of cross. Paul said, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul said, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world He is crucified unto me and I am to, unto the world. Galatians 3 said, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us for it is written, Cursed. Every man that's hung on a tree. Aren't you glad John 3, 16 stills means something this morning? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, not just some, not just the rich, not just a certain place, but whosoever call on the name and believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You say, why are you focusing in on the end of Christ's life when we're here to celebrate his birth? I'm glad that Christ was born. But I'm also glad that he died and rose on the third day. It breaks my heart to think the world looked at him and just shunned him off. To think that he would love this world that rejected and despised him. And he says, I'll show you how much I love you. And he stretched out his arms and died upon the cross. This is how much I love you. And shed his blood for every dirty, rotten sinner in this world today. There's something about this hill called Calvary. God grew the tree that he knew that his son would be crucified on. God built the mountain that he knew that his son would be crucified crucified on and it was called Calvary let me give you some few things about this hill before I get into the message uh, I say this hill was a powerful hill there's never been a hill that changed more lives than the hill of Calvary it has given children their daddies back. It has given husbands their wives back. It has given people their minds back. It has given people with hope back. And it's given people with peace that had no peace. The, the devil has stolen everything. There ain't nothing or anything else greater than the hill of Calvary this morning. What the story of the hill of Calvary has changed in so many people's lives today. It has done for every one of us. It's a powerful hill. Can I say it's also a personal hill? It means something to me personally this morning. I have to confess to you that I've never been to this hill. I've never seen this hill but in the pictures. I would love to go someday. I've been close to there but I haven't been to the hill. But I can say this whether I get there or whether I don't go there. 
that place has a personal place for my heart this morning. Because one day by faith in that place, that man that died on that place, I made a trip there. I, I just got by faith. I've gone to that place many times. And remember what God did for me through his own son, Jesus Christ. It's personal. It's personal. Can I say this hill is a peaceful hill? It gives peace to those that have no peace. Uh, Desmond Doss. Uh, I don't know if you know him. Back in, uh, a few years ago, he was a man and joined the military. He was a, uh, uh, a medic. But his convictions that was he would not carry a gun. Even medics supposed to carry guns in the military. But he, he had an incident when he was younger. He almost killed his father with a gun. He, he vowed to God right then and there, I'll never touch another gun. So there's a medic in there on Hacksaw Ridge. And, and he didn't have a gun. He wouldn't carry a gun. It was fighting going on, fighting going on everywhere which way it goes. But this guy, Desmond Doss, as a medic, would crawl up the hillside and get to those that had been shot and wounded. And he crawled back, pulling them back, and lowered them down the side of that hill so they can get help and refuge. Over and over and over, Desmond Doss went around and gunshots being fired over him and been shooting at him. He's not got a gun. And he said, you know what? Every time he got one down, he turned around and said, God, give me the strength to bring another one down this is a peaceful hill he saved over 75 men that day that does not sound like a lot of people my savior marched up that hill and didn't have a weapon in his hand he took the cross that became his weapon on the hill and he began finding people like me and you and saying, I, I bring you this, I bring safety, I can bring peace to your life. Ain't it a blessing that the hill has done for us this morning? Yeah, thank you. The hill of Calvary. Can I say also this hill provides some things for you and I. This hill is a hill of provision. It provides things that nothing else can provide in your life. You say, what in the world can this hill or this man called Jesus can provide for me? Today, everybody is what under there for me. Let me show you some three things that I can give you some help on this morning. What this hill can provide, what this hill can help with you with this morning. This hill provides an escape, provides an escape. Yes, what does it provide? It provides an escape. It provides an escape from the devil. It provides escape from the clutches of the devil, uh, the person of the devil, the Satan. In Hebrews uh, chapter 2, the Bible said that when Jesus died through the death, he might destroy him that has power over death. That is the devil this morning. He destroyed the power that Satan has over you and I this morning. And since from the beginning of time, since Genesis chapter 3, Satan launched a reign of terror of mankind, keeping them in bondage, keeping them in fear. Even the best men and the best women could not stand against him. The devil had the power of death. The Bible said of the prince of this world. For if they had known they would not have crucified him. 
In other words, Satan, the prince of this world, he did not know what he was going to happen at Calvary. He thought the cross was the end of Jesus Christ. It wasn't the end. In fact, it was just the beginning. And if the devil had known that God was going to do on that hill, he would have said, I've never crucified him. He would have never done it. If you know what it would end up of his reign at the cross. And that's where we gain our victory over death, hell, and the grave. At the cross, where our Savior, we gain victory over the devil and his tactics this morning. There ain't no escape from the devil's tactics or his power except through the cross this morning. you got to make a trip to that hill to get over what the devil can do to you this morning. Henry Lucas, I don't know if anybody ever heard of him. But back in the 60s through the 80s, this man was an evil, evil man. He would kill people, women, young women, children. And they finally caught up with him. He was in Texas, and they caught up with him. He was on his way back from uh, California. And they caught up him with the Texas and caught him, and they charged him with uh, two or three murders. They had, they had a known fact that he had done ten murders, possibly twelve. So when they talked to him, he, he said, I'll make y'all a deal. If you take the death penalty, I'll tell you how many I actually killed. They said, okay. He said, I've killed over 600 people. 600 people. Now, they, they couldn't prove that, but out of the ones he told them, he could prove they almost killed over 100 people. And, and then as he was talking, he said, there's only two people that escaped my grip. Because once he got his eyes set on you, you were through. He was coming back from California on I-10 there, and he's going through that desert part there. And he saw, he looked up ahead, he saw this car pulled aside with flashes on the hood, was raised up. And he got closer and he noticed it was a woman there. He pulled up behind them and then he got outside and says, anything can I hit you? They said, our car won't start. So he looking at the engine, he got the engine, they had both of them standing over the engine. He said, uh, we were standing over the engine. He says, there's your problem right there. And as this woman leaned over to see what he's talking about, she had a cross necklace on her neck. He said, when she leaned over, the lights from my car came through her window, through the crack of that uh, uh, hood raised up, and it just glistened, it just shined, it shone. And he said, it, it mesmerized me. And it just kept shining in my face. And he finally finally said, I can't take it. He walked up and got around and went back in his car and left them there. He says, they're the only two people that I can tell you that once I've set my mind on that I'm going to get rid of, they're the only two. And the only reason they got by that way, he's the only way the other thing was because that cross was standing before me. That cross was standing right between me and her. That was the only reason. That they made it today. You will not escape this place called hell unless you make a trip to Calvary's Hill. You've got to make that trip to Calvary's Hill because it provides an escape. You ever go into a building? I know, I know when I used to travel a lot in the military and go to a hotel, I'd try to find me an escape, fire escape. 
we see the, we don't have a sign. We, these buildings, you get to see a fire escape. I try to find a fire escape so that if anything happens and a fire breaks out, that I know which way I need to turn. I know if a smoke fills the room, I can get on my hands and knees and I can crawl the way I need to turn. I know the route to the fire escape. Can I say the world does not know the route to the fire escape today? I'm telling you, the world has not sat back and said, hey, there's a fire coming. I know the fire is coming, but I'm not worried about it. I'm just going to keep going my way and do what I want to do. But you need to have a fire escape plan in your life today. And the only way you get a fire escape plan is through the cross of Jesus Christ. There ain't no other way. I know some people say, well, I'll wear me an asbestos suit. Good luck in that. It ain't going to help you. It ain't going to help you. This hill is a place for an escape. This hill provides an escape from damnation. The Bible said in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth not shall be damned. That he that believeth not is condemned or damned already this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're already doomed and waiting to go to hell already. You have been sentenced to hell this morning. What does the cross do? It saves us. It provides a way out of damnation. Hebrews 2 and 3 says, How shall we escape and neglect this great salvation? You will not escape this place called hell where Jesus said there is weeping and gnashing of teeth and the fire is not quenched, you will not escape this place unless you come to the hill of Calvary this morning. It's not through baptism. It's not through church membership. It's not knowing your preacher. It's not knowing the deacon. You must come to the hill and meet the man that was on the cross. You've got to come to him. Devises yeah. escape from damnation. This hill is an entrance. It's not just an escape out of something, but it gives us an entrance into something. You say, what did you give you an entrance to? It gives an entrance into the personal relationship. Look at your Bible where it said these two thieves, the male factor. One on the right hand, one on the other hand, the left. Look at verse number 40. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Doest not thou fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And, and we indeed, we indeed justly, for we receive our reward of our deeds. But this man have done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, I love this one on the right, said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. You see what happens here. The thief has entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, here hanging in the middle is God in the flesh. The perfect man. No dirty thoughts come to his mind. Nothing come out of his lip. He hasn't been fornicating. hasn't been drinking. hasn't been doing drugs. He ain't been running around. This is a perfect God man hanging between the two thieves. And one on the right says, remember me when you come into our kingdom. He entered into that personal relationship with God. The Bible calls him malefactors. The Bible said calls him a thief. He's the one on the cross for his sins and his actions. There's no way that that guy hanging there 
could ever have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ except by the cross. Except by the cross. You know what got him close enough to have that relationship? He got on that hill. And it was the cross that allowed him to have that personal relationship with him this, this morning. Understand me this morning. I am just like that thief on the cross. I am, have no reason why I should have a personal relationship with God. I know what I am. I am anything less than perfect, less than holy, less than good. I have done my own thing. I've gone my own way. Hell should have been my home. I, I should be heading there without God. But I'm here this morning because I have a relationship. Uh, not because of me, uh, but because of what He has done for me. I have a personal relationship with one. How in the world can anybody be that so unclean? Get to have a relationship with somebody so clean? How does someone that is not perfect get to have a relationship with one that is perfect? It is the cross. It is the cross. It's the only way. I got on the hill one day, and because of that cross, I have been restored to fellowship that Adam had lost, and I had been brought nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. I love that song, Hark the Herald, the Angels Singing. We've sung it here. It got a verse in there, the last verse says, Hark the Herald, the Angels sings, sings, Adam's likeness, Lord, your face. Stamp these images in our place. Second Adam from above, Reinstate us in thy love. Let us therefore through loss reign there the life, the one inner man. That sin was stamped, stamped on us by Adam, but the second Adam took that sin and bore it on the cross of Calvary. He said, I go to the hill. I'm going to die for you. That now you can have that personal relationship with me. You get the guys, this guy, listen to me. Every time you come to the hill of Calvary, you get more than you ask for. Remember the, the thief on the right says, Lord, remember me when you're coming to thy kingdom? He said, and Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He got more than he asked for. The night I got saved, I got more than I was asking for. All I wanted to be saved from the fire of hell, all I wanted was forgiveness. But he gave me a lot more than I was asking for. He gave me heaven. He gave me a spirit. He made me one of his children. Yes, Thank you. I, I, my mind goes crazy sometimes. You, you know, the Bible, when it talks about the paradise, that's in the center of the earth. When he died, he went to the earth. Jesus went to the captives when he died and set the captives free. Here's this thief on the cross. He dies. He goes into paradise. And they're looking at him and say, hey, how'd you get here? Well, I, I was on this hill. So who are you? I'm just a thief. And I imagine there's, there's Isaiah, Daniel, 
Look, look at these men. Look at these great men uh, that's going on. Uh, I, I, what did you say your name was? I'm just a thief. Hezekiah, all these great men of God in the Old Testament said, hey, we're, we're just sitting here waiting. But see, you know, they said, something's got to be going on up there. Some of us is all of a sudden just popped out of here. They're no longer here. What did you do? I was just on a hill. You didn't do any great thing? He says, no, I'm going to tell you, I was on that hill. I was on the cross dying. And I, bam, in the middle of that, said, hey, is the day, the day you shall be with me in paradise. I don't know who he was, but he said it's going to be happen. I'm here because of him. And I don't think he's far behind. I think he's about ready to hear it here, praying God. I'm just telling you. He said, I'm going to set the captives free. And we were the captives. Amen. That's how my mind works. I'm thinking about, Lord, my goodness, can you imagine this guy showing up in paradise? Ain't done a thing. Can you imagine you showing up in paradise? Ain't done a thing. You ain't done no great thing. You ain't done no great deed. You're nothing but a dirty, rotten sinner. You should die and go to hell. You shouldn't be in paradise. You shouldn't be there. You shouldn't be nowhere. But yet, cross Christ died on the cross of Calvary. He said, I will day be with you in paradise. Whoo! Amen. And he pulled him out of there. Pulled him out of there. He set them free. Now, I imagine when Jesus rose that third day and all them other ones come up out of that grave that time, nobody said, didn't you die? Wasn't you dead? I was dead. Now, I imagine Lazarus, hey, I know what it's like. I know what it's like. I was in paradise. I was happy. And all of a sudden this voice called me out of it and I'm back here again. No. I've heard people say, well, if they could come back from heaven. No, 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 no. If you get to heaven, you ain't going to ever want to come back here. I'm just telling you, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. We have this hill that provides an escape, provides an escape from damnation. This hill is an entrance. The hill is an interest in paradise. But also we get an example from this hill. The cross is an example for the Christians. Not just for the lost to get saved, but as an example for those who are saved and been saved on how to live your life over this flesh. Look at Romans chapter 6 and we'll be done. Romans chapter 6. You see, how I know this cross be an example to me as a Christian? Verse number 7. For he that is dead is free from sin. He's not about talking about being dead in the body and being in the grave. He's being dead to the flesh. Now if we are be dead with Christ... We believe that we shall also live with him. Amen. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. I, 
You don't have to keep coming back and getting saved and getting saved. You get saved, you just have to repent of the sin that you've done. Jesus is not dying over and over and over again. He died once. He died no more. Death had no more dominion over him. For in, he, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in the living, liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to your sins, but also live unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let no sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. It sets the example of how you and I can overcome this flesh that we have. Galatians 5 said, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Paul said, I die daily. Every morning you should get up and crucify this flesh. Reckon yourself dead to sin. You said, Preacher, I have trouble with this. I have trouble with that in my life. Not if you're dead. I have never known anybody dead laying in the coffin have a problem with anything. If you're dead to this flesh, you're dead to sin. If you're dead on the cross, your hands are nailed to the cross. You say, well, I, I, I try to do it by myself. I, I, let me give you that. Well, I think I do it by myself. You need help in nailing yourself to the cross. You say, well, I, I can get my feet down. You're right. You can probably get your feet down. Well, you can probably get one hand down, but you got one hand free. That hand can do all kinds of things. You need help crucifying yourself to the cross. And that's only through Jesus Christ. You can't do it by yourself. you got to have the help of God. That's what is called yielding yourself in flesh to the Spirit of God. Letting God lead you. Letting God guide you. The body of flesh. And now the cross is a help for us to live a Christian life. That hill helps us to live the victorious Christian life also. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. It is an example of the fruits of the Spirit. The Bible tells us there are nine fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And looking at the cross, you study the cross and looking at the cross, you see every one of them exhibit at the cross. Love, no greater love than man than this, than a man to lay down his life for his friends. Joy, for who the joy was set before him to endure the cross, despising the shame, and it was set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Peace, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things of earth or things in heaven. Long-suffering, Father forgive them, they know not what to do. How in the world can that be? He does. Gentleness. He was led as a lamb to a slaughter, as a sheep before the shearers silent, so he opened not his mouth. Goodness. It is the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance. It was his goodness. Faith. Father, into my hands I commend thy spirit. Now how is that faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's not something he could see. He just had faith in his Father. 
meekness. When he was reviled, he reviled not. Temperance. That is the strength under control not to do what you want to do. Now, we've all got problems with temperance, amen? Because somebody does something to us, our first thought is to rip their tongues out. Amen. But we see here on the cross, Jesus exhibits all nine fruits of the Spirit. And that is a Spirit-filled life by the cross of Calvary. Have you made that trip to the hill of Calvary? Do you have that personal relationship with Him? I love the songs that were sung this morning because every one of them was saying, I have a relationship with this man. I know this man personally. I know what he's done. I know what he went through. I know where he's gone to. I know he was buried. I know he was put on the cross. But I know that he still lives. He's alive today in heaven on the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I. He is still alive. Have you been to Calvary lately? Crucify this flesh daily. Have you been to Calvary? I love that song. At Calvary. Where all my burdens were rolled away at Calvary. I love that. I don't know about you this morning, but I think a lot of people need to get to the hill. You need to escape from the things today. We need to escape hell, and the only way you can do it is through Calvary. You've got to make that trip to that hill. Amen. I challenge you to go home and Google Calvary's hill, and you can still see it today. And just picture that cross there and our Savior on that cross. It'll break you down. It'll break you down. 